Please sit comfortably. So good evening everyone. And good evening everyone on Zoom. <coughs> I'd like to just go back to some, sometimes it's good to just go back to looking at basics about practice and revisiting them. And um, the first line in our practice principles is uh, caught in the self-centered dream only suffering holding to self-centred thoughts, exactly the dream. Um, you see, these are words that we use in the Ordinary Mind Zen Centre, but you'll find other words in Zen and, and Buddhism which reflect the same view. You know, the, the, Those practice principles really um, follow the, um, the Four Noble Truths. They're just a sort of modern way of rewording the, the suffering there's a cause of suffering, there's an end of suffering, there's a path that leads to the end of suffering. But in um, the Mumon Khan, um, uh, Mumon refers to the mind road and the practice is cutting off the mind road. And he refers to the, the, the sort of wandering that we do through our mind as like a, a ghost clinging to bushes and grasses. You know, and bushes and grasses are metaphors in Zen for concepts, things. You know. So it's sort of like a sort of sort of a wan, little sort of pale, pathetic figure, wandering around, being blown around in the cold and the darkness, and clinging on to things. That's kind of a metaphor for what we do when we wander around in our own mind. And and uh, you all know, have heard of the. Um, the, the hungry ghost realm, which is one of the, the realms um, that's talked about particularly in Tibetan Buddhism that we wander through. Well, it's not a world we go to. We, we're all hungry ghosts right here and now as we wander through all of these realms, or as Haku and Zenji says in Song of Zazen, we wander through the six worlds. The word samsara, as in samsara, the wheel of samsara, suffering, etc., it actually literally means to wander, uh, but not, not to wander in the rambling sense of wandering, you know, a pleasant ramble through the countryside, but just wandering through the mind, wandering, 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 chasing something, trying to find a solution, trying to find the answer. You know. um, like, like I said in, while we were sitting, there's not actually anything to be found. Mm -hmm but we keep on looking anyway. And so that's the nature of our mind. And um, the, so they're, they're Buddhist metaphors and Buddhist terms that are used to describe this wandering mind kind of experience. Um, now we've got a fancy neuroscience term for the same thing, which is the default mode network, um, which is just that, that place that the mind goes back to when it's not paying attention to anything just kind of daydreams and bumbles along and wanders and through and so on. So if the scientific name does it for you, good, fine, whatever works. If that makes you sit up and go, oh yeah, that's interesting, you know, default <laughs> mode network. Never heard of that before. Yeah, oh, that's an interesting thing, yeah. Mm. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. And um, my, my hunch is, you know, like when we refer to it as the default mode network, um, my hunch is, you know, just based on my own experience, first of all, and Buddhist psychology, is that as much as, as, as much as we 
stay just drifting in that default mode network and we ruminate on thoughts and we and we ruminate on fantasies and images and sort of chase something, you know, chasing something. That's what actually feeds the self-centred dream. Like the, the amount of time we stay in that little fantasy world doing that, we just keep feeding this sort of sense of quite desperation and, and separateness and, and not feeling enough and feeling dissatisfied. And and when we wake up to it and realise, well, hey, we don't actually have to do this. We don't have to just go on automatic pilot going through this default mechanism all the time. We actually can stand back and be mindful and witness it. Then, then that's when our, our practice starts to, to take off. And we may think that just fantasising and daydreaming and, and ruminating is, is harmless. It could be. I actually think when we're in a contented state of mind, it is rather harmless. Um, you know, you're just sort of at the beach and you've had a swim and you look out to sea and all these things come to mind and so on, and it's kind of pleasant, you know. Even um, the Zen poet Basho wrote a, a haiku which touches on that point, which is um, so many things it brings to mind cherry blossoms. Right? So there's just those cherry blossoms, but then there's a richness of all these experiences are related in the past. Maybe friends from the previous year who were together and they enjoyed watching the cherry blossoms together. And it was a full moon that night, you know. And then where have all my friends gone now? All those kind of thoughts. They're just, they're just contented thoughts, you know, which are, which are innocent. But often what our default mode network is, it's not a contented mind just making associations. It's, it's at the core of it is dissatisfaction. That we're just not content with what we are and who we are and what we're doing right now. And it chases something that's got to be better than this right now. That's what we keep going back to. Now, in this particular school of Buddhism, through the teaching of um, Joko, um, many of you who, who are new to practice um, may not be aware just how much an influence Joko had on the practice of Zen in Australia, America, America in particular. Um, up until she came along, um, most people dealt with emotions in particular, you know, and thoughts by cutting them off. That was the, like, cut off the mind road, just don't let them invade. You know? And um, and Joko, um, Joko's great contribution to Western Zen is that she followed very closely the, um, the teachings and advice of a 16th century Japanese tensha whose name was um, Men, Menzan Zenji. And he's the one who you may remember said that um, when you really understand Zazen, it's, a, it's not a matter of cutting off emotion thought, it's a matter of melting the frozen block of emotion thought. That's one of the most important phrases to remember when you think of what practice is. It's melting the frozen block of emotion thought. The emotion, the frozen block of emotion thought is the, is the, the fixed self, the, the egocentric fixed self. So it's not a matter of just cutting it off, right? 
but it's melting it. And we need practices that, that actually focus on melting it rather than cutting it off. Because as Minzan Zenji said, when you, when you just cut it off, it's like cutting off, um, you know, a blade of grass, you know, it'll grow back up again. When you melt it, it's like you, it's, it's dissolved. And if you just think that the default mode network or wandering mind thinking the sun is kind of like the enemy and you oppose it and you've got to keep it out, it'll just keep on invading all the time. It's like we'll call them intrusive thoughts, unwanted intrusive thoughts in psychotherapy. So you don't, you don't achieve anything by fighting them and blocking them and creating a war with them. And what Joko brought to practice was this um, method of um, thought labelling. You might actually call it thought emotion labelling, um, where you just be present to what is in the breath in the body, and then when a thought comes up, um, planning mind, dissatisfied, chasing mind, whatever it might be, just get a simple label, planning mind, thinking mind, drop the thinking, drop the attachment to it, don't get caught up in the automatic thinking that needs to go on to the next phase of the story and the next phase of the story, just So it is cutting it off the thinking, but it's not cutting off the emotion. And then what you do is you bring your body back into, your, your attention back into the, the breath and the body, and you acknowledge the contraction in the body and the feeling and emotion that's there that goes along with the thought. And, you, and like in psychotherapy, you don't cut it off, you don't ignore it, you pay full attention to it. Even if it's unpleasant, like a feeling of resentment, just notice what it's like to feel resentful in your body. Like really, really turn up the attention to it and go right into the epicentre of it. This was Joko's teaching mm -hmm, right there. And if you do that, and you do it in a a neutral, non-judgmental way, you just turn up to notice it, and you're not actually trying to get rid of the emotion because it's bad, you know, stay present with it. You, you stay with something long enough and really pay attention right at the epicenter, and it dissolves, right? That's the melting that actually occurs. Then it starts to melt, because you're not just dealing with the superficial thoughts, you're actually dealing with the emotions that drive the thinking. So there it is. Right there is what's been driving all that thinking. Let's go right into it. Be present to it. And it dissolves. Eventually it does dissolve. Mm -hmm. um, you have to try it for yourself to make sure it does. Um, but it dissolves. Then, you, then if you practice like that, you're really cooking. And, and your attention is like a, a mirror. You know, mirror... A mirror, um, it, it just reflects exactly what's there, whether it looks pleasant or unpleasant, nice, not nice, fits into my image of who I think I am or not, too bad. Mirror just reflects what's there, totally honest. You know? um, so, but also a mirror doesn't judge. It doesn't say it's good or bad, it's just say this is what's here. Neither does it cling to anything, the images just go into the mirror and they pass out again. Right? So it's a very good metaphor for how the, how the mind works. So it requires, if you're working 
with this labelling method, it's actually, it's not for the faint-hearted um, because you have to turn up to be totally honest with what you're experiencing, you know, even if it doesn't fit your image of who you think you are. It's, it's, it's totally honest and it's totally compassionate at the same time because you there's a kindness with which you do it. You're not doing it with a not labelling in, in an attacking way, like going, oh, there I go again, planning mind. Oh, there I go again, resentful mind. It's not like that. It's just like, oh, resentful mind. Here we are again. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it's a very, um, very powerful practice. And uh, it's something that you can practice um, on the cushion and it's something that you can practice off the cushion very well too. The background of all of this is that living in Australia now, you know, in, the, in, uh, in, our, in our life and times, as we all know from newspaper reports, um, mental health issues are going up and up and up all the time and which means that anxiety is going up and depression is going up and stress is going up. And there may be reasons, like good reasons for it in a sense, you know, that people are anxious about the future with the state of climate change and the environment. And we have good reason to be concerned about that. And we hear the the, the drums of war banging louder and louder too, and that, that affects people's concern about the future. Um, so there are reasons for concern, but it's always been the practice of Buddhism. There's always been something going on, wars going on, famines, etc. Our practice is not to ignore it uh, and not to ignore our concerns about it, but it is to develop a sense of equanimity within the face of that rather than just being spun out by it. And the other thing I think that, that that adds to whether we call it mental health on the rise or we use Buddhist terms like dukkha is on the rise, suffering, dissatisfaction is on the rise. And um, I think that what fuels us living in this kind of fantasy dream world, ghost-like world, is all the devices we look at as well. And um, it's rather sad because we live next door to a high school and, um, and you know, if you go down to the shops, you know, during the day or whatever, you often watch kids coming out of school or going into school and, and like they're 10 or 12 years old and they're walking down this beautiful bushland path you know, just absorbed in that. And it's so sad, really. Sometimes it brings tears to my eyes to see it. It's like the, all of this beautiful environment, especially where we live, it's so it's so beautiful and it, it's just that, you know. And, and, and this just reinforces the self-centred chasing of something all the time. Yeah. And um, unfortunately, that's, that's the technology that we that we have, and I know a lot of a lot of parents these days really do their best to um, try to get their kids off screen time. It's tough. Mm -hmm.